Oh, glory to God. You ready for the word? Okay. I want to kick off a new series this morning, and we're just going to do a two-part series, and it's called Winning at Work. Winning at Work. One of the things I noticed when we kicked off the hubs was how many people were saying that they have stress and issues at work. Some of you here can go, amen, pastor, you're preaching to me right now. But who knows, God wants us to win at work. In fact, that is who we should be. We should be victorious in every aspect of our life and everywhere we go. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, it says this, it says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. I've already prayed it over you, but the scripture says that he gives you the skills in order to make money. That is what he does. You are who you are in your workplace because of the skills and talents that God has given you. Colossians 3.13 says this. It says, whatever you do, work at it with your whole being for the Lord and not for men. Because you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. You know what that tells me? It tells me that you can be in a job where you don't get paid enough, but God can pay you the difference. It tells me you can, you can serve a boss that's not very good, but really you are not serving that boss. You are serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I, I was away ministering um, recently in another country and I'd gone and I'd, I'd poured myself out for, for, for free. I'd gone and just given myself. And now and again, I get given a gift and at times I go, actually, I'm not here for a gift. I'm here for free. And this was one of those times where I said, I'm here for free. I'm, I'm not here to get anything. And they didn't give me anything. But I said to the pastor at the end, I said this phrase. I said, I minister here for free. But it does not mean I don't get paid. You see, the source is not there. The source is a heavenly source. And so when I'm working, I'm not working for the reward on the earth. I'm working for a reward in heaven. And sometimes that heavenly reward comes down to the earth. Who knows what I'm talking about? And so if I have this perspective, I can go through my working day not feeling like, oh man, I'm underpaid, undervalued. But I can go through going, no, my God in heaven sees what I do. And when I work the best for him, I'm going to reap the rewards from him. Can I tell you, sometimes it's better for God to pay you than it is for man to pay you. You know, sometimes the best thing God can do is for you to be snubbed on the earth so he can reward you from heaven. Oh, I could stay right there right now. And so God wants you to win at work. You know, the fact that the majority of our life is spent at work shows us that we need to make sure we get this aspect of our life right. You say, well, Pastor, I want you to preach... Bible and spiritual today. No, I want to preach practical 
and actually get into your life. If I, if I can't talk about your working life, then really I'm missing a whole aspect of who you are as a person. In fact, you spend more time at work than you do at church. You spend more time at work than you do at home. Well, some of us. You know, your work life is important that you find the right balance before the Lord. I believe for some of you, as we move into 2020, it's going to be a time of transition for you in regards to work. Even the fact I'm preaching this today as I was preparing, I felt the Lord just laying on my heart that actually he was speaking to people that it's time for change in your work life. Some of you, you need to go, actually, this is God talking to me today and saying, it's time to start looking again. Don't go into 2020 doing what you were doing. Now you say, Pastor, are you telling me to quit my job? No, you don't quit your job until you get a new job. Okay. Good preaching, Pastor John. But I believe that you are in transition, some of you here. For some of you, you're looking for a job. Full stop. And I want to encourage you that I believe in 2020, God will bring you in to what he has for you. Not just a job, but something you love doing. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know, I love my job. I'll be honest with you, I love my job. I love getting up in the morning and I love coming to work. I love Sundays the best. It's my favorite day of the week. Is anyone else there? Have a, is Sunday your favorite day of the week? Okay, a few of us, okay. I want you to love Monday morning. I want you to love Monday morning. Some of you, you might have that thing. My dad always used to call it, it used to, an illness that came over me on Sunday night. He would call it schoolitis. It was like, I just did not want to go to school. He was like, oh, you've got schoolitis. My tummy's hurting, Dad. I feel sick. Schoolitis. You're going to school, boy. Some of you here, you might have workitis. You know, it's that thing that comes on your Sunday night. That isn't what God wants for your life. God wants you to wake up on Monday morning going, come on, it's a new week. And my prayer for you as we dig into this is that either your work will change or you will change in your work. Mm. My prayer for you is that either your work would change or that you would change in your work. You see, something's got to change. If you're not happy in your work, you can't go into 2020 doing the same things you've done throughout 2019 and expect everything to be different. It's not. So either it's got to change or you've got to change. Let, let, let's just do a little survey. Let's just do a little survey. I like surveys. Um, Cheryl did a wonderful survey for us. We're collating the results as we speak. But if you love your work, give me a wave. If you'd say, Pastor, right now I love my work. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, come on, Jesus. Put your hands down. If right now you'd say, Pastor John, I don't love my work. You're talking to me. Anyone? There's no shame in it. We've all been there. Yep, yep. Okay, put your hands down. Now let me ask you this question. If you would say, actually, I've got problems in my work, give me a wave. Problems in your work. Who knows, you can love your work and still have problems in your work. Yeah. Reality, okay. But here's the thing, something's 
got to change where we have victory in our workplace. I want to win in my workplace. I want to be successful and fruitful. So how do we win at work? Well, winning isn't just about success. Winning is about having a winning attitude. Your attitude will determine how you get on in your workplace. You, you know, we, uh, we had a bit of change in our, our personal lives, and myself and Keisha, in that Keisha's just started a new job. Now, Keisha was working at the hospital for a number of years. She worked in phlebotomy. She would take people's bloods. And she was doing this for a couple of years, but she suddenly felt like, actually, it wasn't working anymore. She hit that point, and she was like, I really feel I need to get out of the hospital. I need to get out of here. And I was like, why? It's good. It's okay. And she was like, no, I really feel I need to leave. And so she found this job working in a GP surgery. And I was like, this is a backward step. I'm like, why do you want to do it? It was on reception. And she was like, I've heard the Lord. I want to do it. And so I was like, hey, if you feel this is right, you go for it. I'll support you. And so she took this job in the GP surgery, and she was there six months. And by the end of the six months, she hated this job. She was like, what have I done? She'd, she'd come home, and she'd be like, this was the worst decision I've ever made. It wasn't just a sideways. It was a backwards. But who knows? The Lord was actually doing something behind the scenes. So she does six months in the GP surgery. Anyway, after six months, she goes online because she's frustrated. She wants to find something else. Anyway, she finds a job that's doing phlebotomy, what she used to do at the hospital, but in a GP surgery. And because she now had experience in the hospital and in a GP surgery, she was the perfect candidate for the job. And so she started her new job, what was it, about a month ago, four weeks ago? She started her new job, and now she comes home, and she's like, I love it. Absolutely loves it. But what was, what's the point I'm trying to show you? Sometimes a sideways move can bring you to a, an upward move. You, you can sometimes be going, man, I'm frustrated because I'm not getting the promotion. I'm not going to the next level. But sometimes you've got to step sideways in order to go upwards. Maybe for some of you here today, that's something you need to consider in 2020 is, yes, you love your job, but maybe if you're going to go to the next level, you've got to move across before you can go up. That was for free. A guy called Robert Frost said, by faithfully working eight hours a day, you may one day get to be a boss and work 12 hours a day. Who knows, there are actually some promotions that you don't want. Man, I'm preaching better than you're helping me this morning. Some of you are striving for things that actually, if you were to get, it would not work for you. You know, I've, I've worked in, in business before I, was, um, before I was a pastor. I worked in a pharmaceutical company. And you could actually look, it was a large pharmaceutical company. Before that, I worked uh, for an insurance company. And you would often see managers that had risen above their ability. Are you hearing me? Can I go there? Is that all right? It's like, yes, they were great at one level, but when they'd risen to another level, they no longer functioned in what they were able to function in. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that kind of person. I want to be at a level that works for me that I am fruitful and powerful in. 
Sometimes you can think, yeah, I just want to go higher. But what does that higher mean? Someone said the key to knowing whether you found fruit in your work is this principle of three eyes. Let me show it to you. It's this. Do you have independence? Do you have income? And do you have impact? Impact, independence, and income. When these three things all come together, you will find yourself in life. You'll find yourself in a role that's going to bring success. What do I mean? Impact. Is what you are doing worthwhile? Now, here's what you often find with people, in, especially in analyst roles or back office roles. They can have uh, real independence to do their work, and they can be bringing in a good income, but somewhere in their life they say, what is the point I spend every day staring at a screen? What's that? No impact. Or maybe you've got impact and you've got money, but you're tied in to 60 hours a week. The kids never see you. you, you oh, it's just hard work. Or maybe it's the income. There's no money. You love it, but there's no money. Who knows? God wants you to have a job that's meaningful. He wants you to have a job that releases you to be a good parent, a good mother, a good wife, a good husband. And he wants you to thrive and prosper in all things. And so my desire for you is that these three things will be evident in your workplace. Can you say amen to that? And so I want to show you I want to show you three areas this morning. We're going to cover this again next week. But I want to show you three areas for you to focus on in order to win at work. And again, I know there's more I could spend a year teaching you leadership principles and work principles. But as I pray, these were the three areas I felt to focus on this morning. Who's up for this? Who wants to thrive in their work? Come on, okay. And I believe that somewhere in here is a key for you. And I want you to have the ears of the Spirit this morning that you would hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. What is the thing that's going to give you breakthrough in your workplace? So Father, I pray right now, even before we dig into the meat, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, each of us in this place. That this wouldn't just be a message, but give us a tool or a key that will bring breakthrough in our workplaces. In Jesus' name, amen. First area I want us to look at is the area of relationships. Can I say this? Relationships are everything in the workplace. You want me to prove it to you? Well, Google researchers and data scientists were asked to define what makes a team effective. They launched what was called Project Aristotle. You can go and Google it and you'll be able to find out all about Project Aristotle. They spent two years interviewing Googlers. That's their employees. That's what they call them, Googlers. They interviewed them and they spent two years and they examined more than 250 attributes of 180 active Google teams. We're talking, this was a million, 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 million pounds project. You know, it's huge. It was, it was incredible what lengths they went to. So what did they find? Was it developing more road scholars? Was it combining developers? And uh, what was the keys to effective teams? Now, I'm sure that talent helped, 
But the answer was an emphatic no. That is not the key. Essentially, the data team discovered psychological safety was the most important trait of a high-performing team. And what Google researchers refer to as the underpinning of all the other dynamics that make up a successful group. Two key attributes of psychological safety specific to Googlers include conversational turn-taking and high emotional sensitivity. What's the headline? This is what the headline read. The headline reads, this was how the, the, the rest of the world interpreted Google's research. They said, after years of intensive analysis, Google found the key to good teamwork is to be nice. A <laughs> hundred million later, we have worked out that if you want to be successful at work, guess what? You've got to be nice. I believe that you could have read the Bible and come to that conclusion. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, treat others the way you want to be treated. Love your neighbor as yourself. And when it comes to the workplace, I want to tell you how you treat people will determine how fruitful you are in the workplace. You, 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 I had a situation here um, at the church just this last week. Um, we've been without broadband here in this building for three, four months. It's like, it's just been a nightmare. It's been one of the last things to finally get done. And about four weeks ago, I hit the wall and I was frustrated. And so I called BT and I've got this one guy, Jason, who's been managing this whole process for me. And I was like, Jason, I said, we've now been in this building three months. I still don't have broadband. Do something. And he was like, we can't, we're still, we're struggling, rah, rah, rah. And I said, that's fine. But I said, then I want a refund. I said, refund us everything that we've paid you over these last three months. And he was like, no, we can't do that because you still had your phone line. And so it's not like you've not been getting anything. I was like, I'm not happy. Anyway, so we finished the call and I'd not got anywhere. And so for the last four weeks, I changed my tactic. And so I'd call him every week and I'd be like, hey, Jason, how you doing? <laughs> Are you having a good week? And I was just chatting to Jason and encouraging him. And I was like, how's it going with the broadband? And he'd give me the little step by step. And I'm like, okay, well, hopefully it'll be in soon. And I'd leave it and I'd call back the next week. And I've been doing this the last four weeks. And praise God, guess what? The broadband is now in the building. But, but here's the thing, here's the thing. So the broadband's now in, praise God, and you can connect to it, not while I'm preaching. <laughs> and I messaged him, and I said, Jason, I just want to thank you for all you've done for us here at Elon Wimbledon. I said, Jason, we really appreciate you taking time to make sure we've got broadband. Anyway, he replied back, and he said, it's an absolute pleasure. And by the way, I've refunded all your money since July. Yeah. What's, what's the principle I'm teaching you? The principle is sometimes when you go hard, you ain't going to get no results. And sometimes you've got to go, even though I want to sort you out right now, I'm going to be there building relationship so I get what I need. Can I tell you, it's very easy for people to say no to you when you email. If you work in an office, it's so easy to, to for just fire an email and say, I need this, and someone to come back and go, actually, I'm really sorry, I'm really busy at the moment, I can't do that. 
Can I tell you there is a power in not actually sending emails, but getting up from your desk and coming around and going, hey, buddy, how's it going? Uh, uh, are you having a great week? I really need this doing. Why? What am I doing? I'm establishing relationship. If you want a business term for it, it's the term rapport. I'm building rapport. I'm building relationship. In fact, can I tell you, this is one of the keys to life to getting things done. There's another word for it. It could be called manipulation. And of course, I would not encourage you to be manipulative, but I do want to encourage you to build strong relationships. Relationships open doors. They say it's not what you know, it's who you know. Actually, there is a strength in fostering and building and connecting and engaging. You know, I, in, in my old job, I worked uh, uh, selling car insurance. I, I started off selling car insurance, and before I left, I was an IT programmer for um, what is now Compare the Market. That was the company I worked for at the time. At the time, it was called Budget Insurance. And I was selling car insurance, but I'd built a relationship with my boss. And so he was the, the manager over, uh, over the sales department. Anyway, his boss came to him one day and said, can you get all the cigarette butts cleared up outside the front of the building? Now, this manager had been told this because I think his manager expected him to go find a cleaner and just get a cleaner to do it. But anyway, he came to me and he said, John, he says, my, the boss has asked me to clear up the cigarette butts, but he says, I physically can't do it. He's like, if I go out there, I'm just going to be sick. I can't touch cigarette butts. And I said, don't worry, I'll go and do it for you. So I went out and I got a bin bag and I was picking all these cigarette butts up. Now, I didn't know that his boss saw me picking up all the cigarette butts outside of the building. Anyway, his boss comes to him and says, I didn't expect you to get someone to do it. I expected you just to call the cleaners and get them to do it. Who did it? And so my boss told him that it was me. Anyway, two weeks later, I was promoted to manager of the sales department. Why? How did it come? It came through two things. One, relationship. And two, a willingness to do whatever was required of me. You know, sometimes you're not going to get the door if you've not built the relationship. He could have, if he had a friendship or a relationship anywhere else, he could have given them and I would have missed my opportunity to be seen as someone that was prepared to do anything. Mm. Sometimes it's not about relationship with someone higher. It's about a relationship with someone lower. It's about a relationship with someone on a level. You don't know who's going to be the person that stands in your path to open the door for your increase. Let me tell you another little story that took place this last week. And I saw the Lord in this. And this is why I share this. Um, I had a man that, that came up to the church. He had a, a little blind stick. And he, he can't see very well. You, some of you might remember him from our, um, our times getting planning permission. Anyway, he was bashing on the front door. Bashing on the front door and shouting through the front door, Switch the lights off! And I'm like, I'm up in my office... And anyway, by the time I get downstairs to go, what's going on? He's gone. And so anyway, a couple of days pass, and all of a sudden I see a letter has been posted through the door, and it's this guy. And in this letter, he's like, 
I'm not happy that you guys leave your lights on and the council's paying for it. And I'm like, okay. And it just, it's just a whole rant against me and against the church. And, and up to this point, as you know, I've told you all the same. I've not replied to anybody. We've said, don't say anything. But as I read this letter, I felt in my spirit, actually, I'm going to reply to this guy. And so I wrote him a letter back. And I just said, by the way, the council does not pay our electricity bills. We pay our own bills. And I said, if you ever want to come and have a coffee with me in a chat, then I'm available. Come and see me. And then at the end, I put, but by the way, there are cameras that record you. And if you break my door, you will be liable. Have a great day. Love, Pastor John. Anyway, so again, a couple more days pass, and a letter comes back through the door. And it's from, oh no, a couple of days pass, and the guy is back at the door again. And I see him coming, so I come down the stairs, and before he gets to the doors, I hold my letter and poke it through the door. And he takes the letter, it doesn't say anything, and, and trundles off. A couple more days later, and then his letter comes back through the door. And I read this letter, and I'm like, okay, here we go. I prepare myself. I'm like, okay, Lord, what's it going to say? And I open this letter, and he's like, just apologizing. He's like, I am so sorry. I didn't have all the details. I'm sorry for my behavior, banging on the door. Um, I really hope you'll forgive me. I'd love to come and have a coffee with you sometime. Yeah. Okay. Two more days later. This is now this Friday. I'm just about to leave the building, and he arrives at the door. I said, come on, I'm, I want to go. I'm like, I just want to leave. And I'm like, oh, bad timing. But who knows, sometimes you've got to sacrifice in order to see something that's going to open you a door. And so I said, yeah, come in, have a coffee with me. And we spent 20 minutes just chatting and I was just loving on him. And he, at the end of the conversation, he said, and this is something someone else in the area said as well. They said, now I've met you, you're actually a real nice guy. And I said, you know what? That's because no one comes to meet me. <laughs> and he said this. He said, I, and I will make sure other people hear about it. Wow. Okay. Now, are you catching what I'm trying to teach you? That actually someone that you build relationship has the potential to be a voice to other people in your life. Mm. You know, I believe there's a balance when we talk about self-promotion. We all know there's nothing worse than being someone that blows their own trumpet the whole time. Look at me. Look at what I've done. You just want to go, oh, please. But can I tell you, actually, in the workplace, there is a place for you to declare what you are doing. As Christians, we can sometimes be too humble in the workplace. Oh, I don't, I don't, it's like, oh, I better not, better not blow my trumpet. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I don't want to upset the Lord. I'll be humble. I won't tell anyone anything. And you wonder why people don't see what you do. Now, I'm not saying we should go around boasting and bragging, but there is a place for you to, to declare your successes. But can I tell you there is a more effective way, and that's when other people declare your successes. If you can bring in relationship people on board to celebrate what you are doing, you don't need to be vocal. Can I tell you, when people are being vocal for you, you need to shut up. That is not the time for you to be telling people how good you are and what you are doing. Be quiet. 
Let other people say it for you. In fact, they might keep saying it if you keep quiet. But when you start saying, yes, I am good, guess what they're going to do? They're going to shut up. But if no one's saying it, there is a place for you to celebrate what you are seeing in your life. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I know I'm preaching to someone. So how do we build more relationships, better relationships? I want to give you three quick things. The first way is you need to ask more questions. I believe one of the greatest keys to building relationship is asking questions. It's not talking with people, but it says from Google's thing, it was this, this two-way communication. It was a key to a successful team. Can I tell you when you are collaborating with people, it's not about you telling them everything you know. It's about you finding out what you need to know. It's about you going, actually, let me be someone that comes into a relationship going, what can I gain from this relationship rather than what can I give the whole time? Can you say amen? amen. The second way to build stronger relationships is to be heard. Be heard. I want you to hear me on this. You need to ask questions. But you also need to be heard. Can I tell you that some people aren't heard because they're not a very good communicator? And you wonder why you're not heard. So maybe you're in a, in a, in a team meeting and you wonder why whenever you say something, no one listens. Can I tell you it's possible that there's a reason for that? So I want to just give you quickly four Quick things to being heard in relationship. I know it's basic, but I tell you, some of you need to hear this. First key, key thing to being heard is you've got to be concise. The reason you are not heard in a team meeting is because you want to give all of the backstory, all the behind story, and everyone's bored by the time you get to the point you actually want to make. Good preaching, Pastor John. Some of you are thinking, Pastor John, maybe you need to keep it concise too this morning. Okay. But you know what? Sometimes you need to just get to the point. Just say what you want to say. Don't waffle. Don't bore. Just go, this is what I think. Don't treat people like they're stupid and you feel you've got to explain everything. Just say, this is what I think. Can I also tell you, you don't need to force what your opinion is. If it's a good opinion, it will stick in the air. Keep it clear. Keep it simple. And I believe one of the best gifts you can have in communication is the gift of breaking something complicated down and making it seem basic. If you want to be heard in a meeting, that's the key way. You've got an idea. Is Now, I'm not waffling, but bam, this is my idea. Simple, basic communication. Keep it current. How do you keep something current in a meeting like that? You keep something current by listening. I've seen it too many times in, in, in meetings where someone has stopped listening and they suddenly pipe up and bring an idea when everyone's like, we just finished talking about that. You missed your moment because you weren't listening to what was being said. Someone's already said that idea. And you say, well, my idea is just slightly different. Then don't repeat the idea with the difference. Just say, that idea, but with this. And I know you're hearing me. I know this is basic. But, but it's little tweaks that will make you effective. Oh. Keep it concise. Keep it clear. Keep it current. And keep it creative. You, you know, I, I love working with people that are positive 
but yet creative. You know, as a manager and as a leader of the church, I love it that when people see a problem, that they don't just tell me the problem. Oh, can I tell you, it, I, I can't stand negativity. I don't know why the Lord wired me this way, but I, I get allergic. I literally think I could come out in lumps and hives when people are negative. You know, I, I just can't do it. But I love when people see a problem and bring a solution. If you just got something negative, keep it to yourself. But if you see something and you have a creative solution, man, you are the kind of people I want on my team. You want to know how managers and uh, business people look for someone who's going to be on their team? They look for someone who's going to be a leader. How do you recognize a leader? A leader is someone that's positive when everyone else is being negative. If someone else is going, hey, they're focusing on the problem. I'm focusing on the solution. How do we, how do we build relationships? Then we, we build relationships by navigating office politics. I don't care where you work, but there is always office politics. And you need to have your head on that doesn't get involved in office politics. How do you do that? I believe one of the great ways is to know what's going on before you go into situations. If you just live without thinking in your workplace, you will always battle and struggle. You need to be clued up. You need to be listening. You need to be building relationships. You need to be hearing because then when you step into meetings, you are prepared for what is going to take place. You know, I believe one of the best ways to navigate certain meetings is, uh, well, let me give you an example like this. Here we are. We're in, a, we're, in a, we're in a meeting and everyone's there and someone comes in and says, we've lost this big client. And he says, it's John's fault. He was, he was head of sales. It's all John's fault. And the production guy says, yeah, it's his fault. And then someone else says, no, it's their fault. And we've got this political situation taking place of who is to blame. Can I tell you the way you get out of situations like that? Is you need to come in there not looking to blame. But you can come into that kind of meeting and go, you know what? That isn't the issue. The issue is how do we get the client back? Are we going to come in with an approach of a blame game or are we going to come in with a solution approach? Are we going to come in and ask the question? Are we going to come in and say, actually, how do we move out of this place that we're in? This applies not just a, a, a top level. This applies throughout the workplace. Are you going to be a solutionary or are you going to be someone who gets driven along by everybody else? Are you hearing me this morning? Second thing we've got to deal with, I'm going to move faster, is we've got to deal with our reputation. If we're going to succeed in the workplace, then we need to build our workplace reputation. Can I tell you, all of you have a reputation in your workplace. People will either know you as a hard worker or as a lazy worker. <laughs> Don't look at anyone around right now. Some people will know you as someone who's conscientious. Other people will know you as someone who's quick. And all of us have developed a, a reputation in our workplaces. Can I give you some thoughts on this? If you're going to be really productive in your workplace, if you're going to have victory, then you need to finish every task. 
you are painting a picture of who you are in your workplace. It doesn't take many things before people begin to say, that person never seems to finish anything. Oh, they do a great job. They're a pioneer, but they never seem to finish anything. Uh, even now, some of you, if you were to think about certain people you work with, you could easily be going, yep, that's that person. But who knows? We can't be that kind of person. If we're going to thrive in our workplace, we've got to be complete finishers. We've got to build a reputation that says we finish what we start. Do people know you as dependable? Can I tell you one of the keys to this, and this is how I work in my life, is I'm a list man. Anyone else like a good list? Man, I love a good list. There's something satisfying about crossing those bad boys off. Whoop! Yes, in Jesus' name. But when you're organized, when you've structured yourself, you become dependable. Disorganization leads to a way where you just miss stuff. But when you're organized, when you've got structure in your workplace, guess what? You become dependable. Second way we build reputation is never compromising quality. You know, some people, yeah, they're dependable. Yeah, they're quick. But they're doing a quick job, not a quality job. I don't know about you, but I want to be someone that's not just quick, but someone that's quality. Here's the thing. When something really matters... Who are they going to come to? Are they going to come to the person who's quick? Or are they going to come to the person who's quality? Quality. In a workplace, when someone's looking for someone to give a job to, they're looking for someone who's dependable, who's going to do a good job, not just a quick job. There's a place for a quick job, but it's not the important job. The important job always goes to the quality person. Can I tell you, there's no job too small. If we're going to build reputation, then... We need no job to be too small for us. Uh, one of the partners of Amazon, it's a company called Zappos. Um, they have a view in their workplace that everybody at some point must serve customers. And so they're a global organization, and yet the directors still come on the phones to do customer service. Why? Because they believe that actually no job is too small. Can I tell you, you should not have a view that says, actually, you are now too good to do a certain job. You need a view that says, actually, if I can ask someone else to do it, then I better be prepared to do it myself. Amen. Amen. Third area to bring victory in our workplace. Relationships, reputation, and responsiveness. Responsiveness. What do I mean by that? How do we respond to authority? Can I tell you, it's not about who is in charge, but it's about who takes charge. Do you understand authority? Are you someone that bypasses authority? Again, we can't be people that when we see a vacuum, we fill authority. We need to be people that submit to authority. Well, they're not doing a very good job and I need to get it done. And so, guess what I'm going to do? I'm taking charge. No, that's not how authority works. I see it again all over. Is anyone watching Apprentice? Anyone friends, fans of Apprentice? Yeah, great. But you see this tussling for power. Everyone wants to be in charge. 
But that is not how a successful team works. A successful team works when we line ourselves up behind a leader and we say, you know what, I'm going to support you and I'll help you to become what God wants you to be. If you want authority, you need to learn to submit to authority. Sorry, it's not very Bible today. You still with me? Anyone getting anything out of this? Am I preaching to anyone? Okay, good. So how do we get responsive? I want to give you a few quick thoughts. Deliver what your boss really wants. Deliver what your boss really wants. You know, some people are good at doing stuff. But sometimes you need to be good at doing what is needed. I see people, they're great at their job. They go, I've done all this, but... If the boss does not want that, what's the point? You can say, well, I've done a great job, but yeah, but I didn't want you to do that. I wanted you to do this. If you begin to own your workplace, you begin to see what the big deliverables are. What is the thrust of the organization? What is the end goal? What is trying to be achieved? And I have to then listen. Listen, this is a key I have to listen and I have to line myself up with what is being asked of me. You say, well, I've not been trained. They've told me this is where I've got to do it. Yeah, but actually your boss is going to steer you in a way that brings the results he needs to bring. Our response to leadership will determine how we win. The next area in response enough is to see the big picture. If you want to be a winner in the workplace, you're going to have to see the bigger picture. What is the big picture in your organization? If you were seeing the big picture and looking at your future, would you be grumbling in the lunchroom? If you look at the big picture, would you be moaning about the work? Would you be struggling with some of the situations? Or if you saw the big picture, would you suck it up and say, hey, this is temporary, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. If, if you see the big picture, will you serve in ways that you wouldn't be expected to serve in order to get the team where the team needs to get to? See the big picture. Put your company above your own needs. Can I say this? Sick days are not a target. Well, I'm allowed six sick days before I get statutory pay. No. That does not mean you get six days where you can choose to not go in. Oh, I should send this message to some of your bosses. They'll be like, preach, Pastor John. (laughs) The third area in responsiveness is this, and this is something the Lord was speaking to me about, is manage your transitions. Manage your transitions. You know, I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I watch how I work. And I, I find that I, I've got my list, I'm organized myself. But whenever I complete a job, I'm not very good in the transition. Yeah. You caught it, you caught it before I got there. You're picking up in spirit. What do I mean? I'm like, I'll tick my job off, but guess what I do next? I go on Daily Mail and I'll read the news for a little bit. Even though I've been on the Daily Mail four times already that day, it's because every time I transition, I go on to read the news. And then I'll read my email, 
And then I will like maybe check Facebook. <laughs> and while I'm doing, I'm not managing my transition. Uh, there will always be a transition from one task into the next task. But if you're going to become fruitful, you've got to manage your transitions so that they are successful. You, a guy wrote a book uh, called One Minute Manager, and I'm, I'm finishing if worship team would come. He wrote a book called One Minute Manager, and the whole book was around this principle that it takes one minute to influence people. And I want to encourage you about being fruitful in your workplace, that when you have a transition in your tasks, that rather than using your transition time to check the news and to check Facebook and to go over your emails, why not use your transition time to influence people. You see, if we responding to what the organization needs, the organization you work in needs someone who's connected. If you're going to go to the next level, I'm giving you the key. This is what God's telling me. I feel, I feel a prophetic anointing on me this morning. I'm setting someone up for promotion. If you're going to go to the next level, you, if you manage your tr- transitions with relationships... I guarantee by this time next year, you'll be in a whole different place. You have a minute. One minute to influence someone. What about every time you finish the job and you know, right, I've got something else to do, but I'm just going to take a minute. That I use that minute to bring a blessing to someone else in my workplace. I go over and I encourage. I go over and I connect and I say, hey, how's it going? What are you working on? And I'm building relationships. Let me say it this way. Ah. Before I was a Christian, I was very good at this. But do you know why I was good at it? Because I used to smoke a lot of cigarettes every day. And so every time I'd finished work, I'd go out. This is probably why he asked me to pick up the cigarette butts. (laughs) But I'd go out for a cigarette. But while I was smoking the cigarette, what was I doing? I was a connector. I was engaging. I was finding out about different areas of the business. I was using my time, not just talking to people, not just talking about football, but building relationships that serve me well in the future. Now, praise God, we don't smoke in this church. So we've got to be creative. It's no good you sitting at your desk. no good you sitting doing what you're doing on your own. Connect Connect, connect. How do you win at work? Relationships. Building a reputation as someone who's a good worker and responding to the needs of your organization. This is how we go to the next level. Can you say amen? Amen. Will you stand with me? I know I preached a bit different than normal. I make no apologies for it. Someone's going higher. Just tell the person next year, I'm going higher. higher. 2020, victory in your workplace. And so, Father, I pray right now. Father, even as this has felt more of a teach than a preach, even as it's felt more of a business seminar than than a sermon. God, I pray now for a prophetic anointing and impartation upon this message. Father, I pray for divine connections in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that we'd be people who manage our transitions. I've, 
I even heard the Lord speak that someone, the, the company's going to come to you and they're going to say, we're relocating. I heard relocation. And for some, it's not just a physical relocation of a place. It's a relocation within an organization. And so, Father, I release that right now in the name of Jesus. Father, wherever that is, God, we pray the leading of your spirit. And the Lord said that, you know, even now you may be wondering if it's going to be the right thing. But the Lord says, he's declaring, this is my way. This is my path. This is what I'm saying to do. Even some of you who are deciding whether jobs are right, the Lord is speaking today and saying, this is the time for you to transition. But he says, transition well. Transition well. Manage your transitions. And so, Father, I pray for every person in transition as we move into 2020 that your anointing would be on us to move into our next season. God, I pray, take us higher. Make us more effective. Make us more fruitful. Give us supernatural wisdom in our workplace. Father, I pray even now for people that you'd bring people to mind that we need to connect with. God, position us before kings. Position us before kingmakers. The positions before those of influence who will see the doors we need to open, open. God, I pray that you'd bring us before leaders, bring us before their minds as they consider roles and opportunities, that they would hear our names, that our names would resound in their spirits. God, I pray for great doors. I pray for those double doors to open right now in the name of Jesus. The doors of blessing, the doors of opportunity, the doors of influence to be released in our lives in a fresh and new way. Father, you give us the power to get wealth. And so, Father, we pray for more power. We pray for more power in our lives, more fruitfulness in everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord one more clap? Can we thank him? Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing one more time to finish. But I want us to come to the communion table. Now, I must admit, I've never done communion after a message like this. But I trust that this is the way the Lord wanted it to go. But you see, there is an aspect to communion. And I'm preaching on the fly. I didn't have